0: First Corinthians chapter one. Someone close that door for me. I'm being distracted. You can hint to him if you want that we're starting. All right. Yeah, yeah, I know. How's everyone doing this morning? I'm doing good, too. I was kind of wondering what kind of. Uh, crowd we'd have this morning, because I know quite a few people who are out at Bell Cow Lake. Um, camping uh, annually and sometimes twice a year, the Growing Kids God's Way community will will uh, set aside a camping time out there and, and just enjoy each other's fellowship and, company and have a good time. I haven't made it out there yet, but I hear it's fun. And we almost made it this year, but we had a graduation to take care of this year. So maybe next time we'll make it out there. Anyway, let's pray. Ah. Lord, sometimes the only, only thing that we can say is thank you because of your goodness. Lord, we do thank you for your presence. We do thank you. That we get to enjoy your presence. We get to enjoy fellowship with you, relationship with you because of Jesus. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. And Father, I just thank you for your grace right now that is available for us to embrace your word so that we can walk in it and be doers of it and not just hearers only. And so we we reach out by faith and we we accept the grace and we say, thank you, Father. And I thank you, Father, for your grace that enables me to minister your word effectively. Lord, we choose to have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying this morning and hearts to embrace it and run with it. And Jesus, we love you so much. And again, we say thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. (coughs) I'm going to sort of spin off of um, kind of spin off of Greg's message. He shared two messages the last couple of weeks on faith. And if you were not here, I want to encourage you to to um, get that. Listen to that message on the Internet. You can download it or you can just listen to it live stream off the Internet. But I to encourage you to listen to it or listen to it again if you've heard it, because the life of faith is so important. That is what we are called to is a life of faith. And that's something we need to learn and understand and grab a hold of it so we can run with it. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? You know, after I became born again, and I'm sure you, you would, would say the same thing. After you got saved and the gravity of the situation and what you were saved from and saved to, when a reality hit your soul and you realize, man, I deserve hell, but I get to go to heaven because of Jesus. And when you realize how wonderful he is and what he's done for you, it's like, man, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I please you? And your heart becomes full of desire to please him. Well, I want to give you a small hint. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you can say faith is what pleases him. And so I want to encourage us all that we need to learn how to walk in a lifestyle of faith. And I want to talk about today an aspect. You know, because faith is such a big topic. And I'm not necessarily even going to talk about faith, but I'm going to talk about an application of how we can walk in a way that pleases God. One application of that. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 says, "For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased. Excuse me, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay. because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men, period. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. That's one thing I want to talk about today. God uses things that are foolish to man, foolish to our thinking, foolish to the world, to confound the wise. And he says, he starts the, the passage out that the, that the message of the gospel is foolishness to the world. It doesn't make sense, in other words. It seems backwards. You know, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe would see our need would see that we are hopeless, helpless in our situation of sin, and he would come down and become the solution himself, humble himself, be willing to subject himself to the cruelty of man and be killed, crucified for our behalf. And so the whole message of the cross is foolish. And the Bible says that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And if you look through all the the Bible, there's interesting things that God does it doesn't seem to make sense. Like, you know, you think of Jericho, the battle of Jericho. You know, God says, I've given you the city. You know, you would think, OK, the walls fall down and you just march in and, and take it. But how he said to do it, you know, march around one time each day for seven days. And then I want you to shout, blow the trumpet, you know, all these things that seem kind of kind of crazy. It's like, why, God, why did you just knock the walls down? And let us go in and, and take it. But God does things in a way that confounds the wise. And He uses things that takes faith to implement because it doesn't make sense. You know, the gospel message is foolish, and the kingdom of God is foolish, so to speak. Do you realize a lot of His principles seem backwards to our thinking? For example, in the world, it says if you want to be on top, if you want to be the head honcho, you got to work your way to the top, step on people, you know, use abuse people to make it to the top. But Jesus says he who wants to be the greatest leader must become the what? The greatest servant kind of backwards, isn't it? In other words, you do what you can to serve, love people, serve, serve, serve. And Jesus says that's what makes you the greatest leader. The Bible says that if you want to, well, the world says that if you want to get, 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 if you want more, you just get more, get more, do what you can to get more. The Bible says if you want more, give it away, give what you have away, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken over, running over, will men given to your bosom, bosom? The Bible also says to love your enemies. Isn't that crazy? I don't know about you, but I think that's crazy. To love your enemies. given as should be given. Be on the bottom. Be on the top. Love your enemies. And the, and the kingdom of God is, is full of that. A full of these things that seem foolish to us, but it's out of God's wisdom. Now, where does faith comes in, come in? Are we going to trust God with these foolish things and implement them in our lives? Or are we going to... Use our natural reasoning and say, that doesn't make sense. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. And unfortunately, many of us who love Jesus, who are born again, we love Jesus with all of our hearts. We're born again on our way to heaven, all that kind of stuff. But yet we still use our logical reasoning too often. And as a result, we reject the wisdom of God. And a lot of times we don't even recognize God's wisdom. Because we hear something, maybe the the Holy Spirit is trying to drop something into our spirit, and we immediately reject it because it doesn't make sense. Like, are you kidding me? That could not be God. And we reject it. And I want to talk about one aspect, one thing that seems kind of foolish if you think about it, but yet it is a very, very, very powerful principle in God's kingdom. And that's the area of praise and worship. Praise and worship. Exalting God with song, dance, reverencing him, singing, making a fool of ourselves like David did. Isn't it amazing how God would use something like that to not only confound the wise, but weaken the strong? I mean, how many times do we see in scripture where the children of Israel had a battle, had enemies coming against them? And God would say, put the praise team out first. You have three enemy camps coming against you. You're well outnumbered. And we would think, okay, let's put our most skilled archers, our most skilled warriors in front. And God says, no, I want you to put the the flute players, the harpists, the banjo players, put them out front. What? Are you kidding me? That didn't make any sense, did it? But they did that. God said, I will fight for you. Had the praise and worship team out in front. Begin to worship God. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. They didn't have to to shoot an arrow. They didn't have to do anything. They turned on each other and wiped each other out. Paul and Silas in jail. Been whipped, beaten for sharing the gospel. And the Bible says in the midnight hour, they begin to worship and pray. Just worship God. God, you are so good. You're so good. You're so wonderful. And remember, they're in a lot of pain. Lots and lots and lots of pain. But yet they worship. And we all know the story. I believe it's in Acts chapter 16. Is that right? Is that right, Greg? Around there somewhere? Is that right? So read that. It's an awesome story. But anyway, you can look through Scripture and see all kinds of interesting situations where a tragedy or a certain circumstance happens and God's solution would seem foolish to us. But yet when someone engaged and allowed the wisdom of God, which was foolishness to man, when they engage that, we see wonderful salvation. Wonderful things happen in their lives. And I'm going to ask you this question, why praise? Why worship God? Isn't He worthy? I mean, He created us. He gave us salvation through Jesus. He helps us when we're we're down in the dumps. He provides for our needs. And we can go on and on and on and on and on as to why we should worship Him. And I know this is going to be review to all of us we've talked about worship before, praise and worship before, and we'll talk about more details about this later. But I just want us to get the heart of the message of the importance of this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So therefore, it takes faith to please God. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So that means there are going to be times when God's going to encourage you and even command you to do something that seems foolish. And then you have a choice. What are you going to do? You're going to use your logical reasoning and say, nah, I'm not going to go there. God, you didn't mean that. Or are we going to trust him and walk in whatever he's encouraging us to walk in? Turn to first Samuel, <clears throat> excuse me, first Samuel chapter thirty. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter thirty. Excuse me. Another one of those very familiar passages. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me share this story more than once. It's one of my favorites. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting with verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's right before 2 Samuel. Just don't want you to get confused. All right. It says, Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now, David's two wives had been taken captive, whatever their names are. In verse 6, moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered or bitter in soul, or distraught, discouraged, but uh, literally means bitter in soul, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to them, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. So here's a very interesting situation. David, him and his men are out fighting. They come back home, ready to chill out, hang out, have good food, rest, sleep in their own beds, enjoy their families play baseball with their kids, those kinds of things. And they see in the distance as they're approaching home, they see fire coming up. And as they get closer, they see, to shock and horror, that their, their town, their city is burned. It's burning. It's on fire. Then they get home and discover that all their, their children, their wives, are taken. They're taken captive. And they were so distraught that they cried and cried and cried. till so there was no strength left in them to cry. You ever been that distraught before? You ever cried so hard that you couldn't cry anymore? Well, that's what they were. They were experiencing. And then David's problems, not only did he lose his family, but all of a sudden he even had more problems because it said that they were looking to stone David. They were looking to kill him because it was his fault. Because he was the leader, and if they weren't out with their leader fighting battles, then they would have been home with their kids and family, and this whole thing wouldn't have happened. Paraphrase. So the Bible says they were bitter in their soul. And then they wanted to kill David. They were bitter in soul. So they all cried. David cried. The people cried until there was no strength left in them, and all of a sudden they became bitter in soul. And wanted to kill. Wanted to cause more damage. They wanted to lash out. They wanted to blame somebody for their situation. How do we react when we get in a situation that's very hard, very bad, very tragic? How do we respond? Do we look for someone to blame? It's your fault. You did it. And then someone to to vent our anger on. But it's interesting... Because in verse 6, you know, moreover, David was greatly distressed because of the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were bitter in soul, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He's in the same situation with these other folks. You know, he and his mighty men, his warriors, his buddies, all of them come back. Their families are gone. They all cry. They get bitter in soul. But David strengthens himself in the Lord. One translation says he encouraged himself. Now, let me ask you this. Knowing David, from what we see, how Scripture describes him, tells us about it. What do you think he did? When it says he strengthened himself in the Lord, what did he do practically? Practically. Did he go? Hold on! I know what he did. He went out and started pumping iron, you know, bench pressing about 300 pounds, getting ready to fight. He says he strengthened himself, you know, do a few curls. You think that's what he did? What did he do? Pray. Praise, praise. David was an awesome worshipper. The dude was bad to the bone when it came to worshiping, wasn't he? I mean, when you think of David, you think of a man who knew how to worship, who abandoned himself to worship. And when you see him as a little boy, younger, that's when he began to develop his skills of worshiping God, loving God. And we see how God fought for him mightily, you know, delivered the bear, the, the, the lion into his hands when he was protecting his sheep. But David knew how to worship God. And it wasn't just a song service to him, was it? And if we look in the Psalms, we'll see David, when he worshiped God, it wasn't just nice, flowery words, was it? I mean, there was some moaning and groaning in there, too. God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me with a little more passion than I just shared? You left me. I thought you loved me. He'd cry out to God, but the end result you'd see... When he'd get things, see things from God's perspective, he would end, end with, God, I love you. You're so wonderful. You delivered me out of the hands of my enemy. You're, you provide my needs. You take care of me. God, you're so good. So David developed a lifestyle of worship to the extent that it became his knee-jerk reaction. In other words, when he was hit so hard in the stomach that all the life came out of him, he whipped so hard he had no strength left in him. Had the wind knocked out of him. The Bible says he strengthened himself back. So he was without strength and he strengthened himself back. How did he do that? (gasps) Begin to worship. Begin to praise. He reacted the way he was trained. To love on God. David and his men were in the same situation. They reacted two different ways. One with bitterness, they allowed the situation to cause them to get bitter. They got angry, resentful, and they wanted to lash out. Now imagine what would have happened. Well, first of all, continuing, David, on the other hand, began to worship and praise God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you think that was foolish? Imagine, now let's just imagine, if David's sitting there, and I can see him, he's crying and weeping and everything, and and I'm watching him, and I'm picking up my rocks about to bash his head in. And all of a sudden he begins to worship and thank God and, and just talk about how wonderful and how good God is. You think that would seem foolish? Do you think that would seem foolish? Was it foolish to God? I think God was eating it up. Saying, check this out. This guy has just gone through one of the most devastating things in his life. And yet he's saying, God, I love you. I worship you. You're so wonderful. You're so good. That pleased God. And then after David got strength, he said, "Okay, Lord, what do I do? Says he went and he sought the Lord. Lord, do I go after these people? Do I go after them? And the Lord said, go ahead, son, they're yours. And then the rest of the story, they go after him, they wipe out the enemy, and none of their children and wives are harmed. They get them all back, plus the spoils from the, from the bad guys. So David seeks God, goes after him, they all get him back. Everybody lives happily ever after. Now let me ask you, this situa- ask you this question. If David would have allowed his soul to get full of bitterness too, do you think the result would have been the same? I don't think so either. It would have been a very tragic end to that story. They would have probably never heard from or seen their kids again or their wives or families that have been taken forever. Two people, same situation, respond, react differently. One was normal. You know, if you if you came and you see this man weeping and crying and you recognize say, hey, John, what's going on? And, like, my family just got taken. And he's angry, and he begins to tell you what happened how we were fighting in these wars, and we came home just to see our families, and they're gone. And that that king right there, it's his fault. And he began to lash out, and all. You probably say, oh, man, it's, it's going to be okay. And you probably empathize, sympathize with him, and agree with, yeah, you know, if you guys would have been here with the families like you're supposed to be, none of this would have happened. Because that makes sense. I mean, that makes common sense. For them to react that way makes logical sense. But it was wrong. And if that would have been able to continue, if they would have, just think, if they would have killed David, okay, we took care of our problem, they would have never seen their families again. But the thing that was foolish, worshiping, led to a whole different circumstance. And see what I like about this story is a lot of times when we talk about praise and worship, we're okay with doing it in a vacuum, so to speak. We're okay with doing it in a situation where everything is okay. Like, for example, here. It's nice and comfortable. The temperature was... It was pretty okay. I mean, it's been hot in here before. it was okay. And the worship God is somewhat easy. And so we, we're okay with worshiping in, in praise services. I mean, not enough. We'll talk about that another time. But we're, we're pretty okay with, okay, I understand. Yeah, okay. Well, it's important to worship God as a, corpor- as a corporation, as a congregation or corporation too. And so in this context, we're OK with it, and we can even wrap our minds around that. But what about in this context, your family's just been kidnapped, your house is on fire, your dog's been killed. Tragedy. Does God would God mean in that circumstance to praise him? Are you kidding me? I don't think so. And he says, "That's exactly. See, it's times like this we praise him and learn and and participate and experience his goodness together as a corporation. I don't know why I'm saying corporation. As a congregation, so that when we're in times like that, we can do the same thing. Are you with me so far? He uses the foolish to confound the wise. I have an awesome testimony of God's provision. How many of you appreciate when you have a need? <coughs> circumstance comes up when you have a huge need and God meets that need. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? Well, we. Uh, many of you know, if not all of you know, a few months back, we had uh, accident car accident. Good thing was. My little Honda's gone. That's not the good thing. The Honda got totaled. The good thing was nobody was hurt. The other good thing was, was it wasn't our fault. But the bad news was the person who was at fault didn't have any insurance. So, therefore, that caused a whole other process to kind of have to play itself out. So, anyway, we're without a vehicle. We needed another vehicle. Um and i remember just looking looking on the internet and i found i just just found something i was like oh my goodness are you kidding and i found this car beautiful it was i was looking for a honda to replace my honda and it was a um, i can't remember the year of it um 2007 i believe low mileage very clean very wonderful and the circumstances, this guy was trying to sell it because he got a new car, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. $2,400. $2,400. Said, thank you, Jesus. So, anyway, we, we uh, had to have the money at the time, so proceeded to get the funds and, and do this transaction. And then this was through eBay, which is a trusted source, trusted website. And they have all these, these things they try to encourage you with so that you don't fall victim to fraud or scandals or scams, that kind of thing. So eBay is a highly recommended safe, safe website. So we proceed to um, didn't have all the money at the time, but I thought, my goodness, this is awesome. And talked to my favorite pastor in the whole wide world. <laughs> he helped me. And then I called my dad. He helped me put together these funds. There's a small fee. All this kind of stuff. Actually, there was, a, there was a fee, of a $1,300 fee, but I was going to get refunded. And actually, the money was going to be held by a third party. So I get to inspect the car for three days. If I want it, I keep it. The funds go to him. If I don't want it, I let the car go back. The funds come back to me. It's all good, all safe, and wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Talked to my wife about it, she was okay with it. She said, you know, you check this out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I checked it out, looks good and everything. So she was good with it. Um, then I was waiting for my vehicle. Two days it's gonna be here. And then I was talking to a friend. Won't mention Han's name. <laughs> talking to a friend. And uh, I was excited. I was saying, oh, man, check this out. I was excited telling him about this. And he said, really? Hmm. It's like, don't give me that really, hmm. And he said some things. And all of a sudden, my heart started pounding. And it wasn't the excitement pounding this time. It was a different kind of pounding. I was like. No way. And, of course, every, you know, he shared some things. I said, oh, no, but this and this and this and this and this and this and this. this, You know, you don't know what you're talking about, so to speak. Well, anyway, he left. And I jumped on the Internet. Have you ever taken taken 37 $100 bills and taken a lighter to it and lit it and watched it burn? You ever done that before? I just did. I fell victim to a scam. $3,700 scam. See, when I mess up, I mess up good. $3,700. It's not funny, Amanda. (laughs) Just messing with you. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. My worst nightmare. Well, not my worst nightmare, but I was experiencing a nightmare. I can't believe this. And I remember when I found that revelation hit me that I had been taken, that I had messed up. You know how when when you get bad news or something happens to you and you're sitting there and you're waiting for the gloomies to come upon you so you can feel sorry for yourself? You know what I'm talking about? While I was sitting there, I just found out. And see, here's the deal. Let me back up and, and... And so I don't give eBay a bad name. eBay, I still believe, is a trusted site. They are full of do not do this. Do not do this. Guess what I did? I did that. I did that. I didn't pay attention. Didn't even see it. I was so overwhelmed in my soul by the need and the seemingly met, uh, that need being met. God did not bring this into my life. But I thought he did. Had a need, a desire, and it's like, oh my goodness, this looks too good to be true. (laughs) Exactly. Nothing else needs to be said, right? And so here's this thing. Well, anyway, what happened was, and how these things work, is I thought I was doing business through eBay, which I was not. Looked like eBay, smelled like eBay, sounded like eBay tastes like eBay. It was not eBay. And I got taken. $3,700. Poof. Gone. So anyway, I'm sitting there. The revelation hits me that I just invested $3,700 into this man, which I won't say. Never mind. I won't even go there. The names that I thought of, but. And I was like, I can't believe this. And all of a sudden, these emotions start trying to come up. But I'm sitting there waiting for the gloom because I'm like, okay, I'm ready to feel sorry for myself. And nothing happened. And then I started worshiping, I started praising. And I didn't say, God, how could you, matter of fact, I take this back, this thought, when I realized what was going on, here's one of the first thoughts that came to my mind. God, how could you let this happen to me? You knew good and well this is a scam and that I was thinking all this kind of stuff. How could that started to rise up? I said, no. This is not your fault. It wasn't her fault. Lisa's fault. She thought I did my homework. Cause I kind of sort of thought I did. It's so, like, yeah, I checked it out. So I had to apologize to her, but didn't I, the blame thing was trying to come in. I said, no, I began to worship him, begin to sing how good he was. And you know what? I wasn't doing that. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Get me out of this mess. It wasn't that now I've done that before. Have you ever done that before? But if I say enough hallelujahs, I'll convince him that I'm serious and he'll help me. But this isn't one of those situations. I was so grateful. so He was so wonderful. So good. So awesome. I was thinking about my salvation. I was thinking about that I'm not going to hell. I was thinking about my Jesus down on that cross for me. And I had a real praise and worship session right there by myself said, God, you're awesome. You are so awesome. And then the Holy Spirit said, how about you do something? I said, what's that? He said, why don't you write a letter to this guy? Send him an email. I said, definitely. So here's the email I wrote. Hello, Jacob name is Jacob, I think. That's the name on the transaction. So I really don't know his name. I said, unless you decide to reply, this is probably the last time we will hear from each other. I've realized by now that me receiving the car you advertised is a very slim possibility. I'm still holding on to a little bit of something, maybe. <laughs> so I did want to ask you if there's any possible way that you would find it in your heart to return the money that I sent you. Return the money I sent you. I know this sounds crazy to ask, but it's worth a shot. I'm not going to beg and give you some soft story as to why I can't afford to lose that kind of money, although I can't. And I'm not going to cuss you out, but I thought that I would just ask. If you do return the money, that would be a tremendous blessing. I will learn from this experience and move on in life a smarter person. If you do not return the money, then I will still learn from this and move on in life a smarter person. But either way, there is one thing I would like to say to you. I am praying that God blesses your socks off. I am praying that you come to realize that he loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you could be forgiven and have an incredible relationship with him. My heart is that every time you think of me, C.J. Ellis, and every dollar of mine that you spend, that you remember just how much he loves you. God has been so good to me and he has changed my life dramatically, and I pray he does the same thing for you. I am not being sarcastic or insincere in this letter. I mean it with all of my heart. If God is able to change your life as an indirect result of our $3,700 transaction, then it is worth it. You are worth it. I am praying that somehow I can recover the $3,700, but I am praying even more for God to remind you of the love he has for you. Take care, Jacob. C.J. Ellis. When I wrote this letter, I meant it with every ounce in me. God gave me a love for this man. Even to this day, every time I think of him every time I have to make payment on that debt that I incurred, I'm reminded of this man, and I begin to pray like nobody's business for him. And the other day I was praying, a, um, is it Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, the, you know, that, that salvation experience that he had that would come upon this guy, that he would fall so in love with Jesus that all the people that he's ripped off, he would say, anybody that I've ripped off, I'll pay him back four times and I'll be the first in line. But here's the interesting thing: I am so excited about the reality of Jesus Christ in my life. I am so excited. Yeah, I lost 3,700 dollars, and I'm not excited about that. But I was telling one of my sons, I said, "You know what? <clears throat> one. If it takes this $3,700 to get this man saved, so be it. I'll get it back in heaven. And two, I told him, I said, you know what? $3,700 is not worth it for me to be bitter, to lose sleep, and to be all wrapped up and tied up over this $3,700. I said, my life is more important than that, and Jesus is a whole lot more important than that to me. And I love him. I praise him. And I'm so excited because he was a real situation. Now, granted, my situation does not compare to David's situation. It's a whole different level. And your situation may be a whole lot more grave than my $3,700. Or it may be a lot less. But God's grace is enough for every situation. It was enough for David and his situation. It's enough for me and my $3,700 situation. It's enough for... A $100 situation or a million dollar situation or whatever, God's grace is made available for us to not get bitter, to be free. And here's what was cool. After when the Holy Spirit said, you want to do something? And I know when he asked me that question, okay, there's faith check time now. And he said, and he put this on my heart to write this letter. When I wrote this letter and sent it, I sent the email and I know he read it. <laughs> Because he knows that I know, I mean, he knows he's scamming everything. And, of course, he didn't reply back. But, of course, he's going to be watching the, the emails. I mean, I just, I just know he read it. So for him, I know he read this. But after I wrote this letter and sent it, I was so free. I was so free. I, I haven't lost one single ounce of sleep over that, over that money. Now, if this would have happened a year or two ago, it would have been a whole different story. I would have been upset, I would have been mad, I would have been in turmoil, anguish, resentful. All that kind of stuff. And here's what I was thinking recently. What if I'm the only person praying for this man? What if I'm the only person on this planet praying for his salvation? What if he gets saved? And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, if he gets saved, I would appreciate it. I think it would be real cool if I get to find out somehow. But if not on this side, at least I'll find out in heaven. Now, isn't that foolish? Someone rips you off and you're supposed to bless him and love him and pray for him. It reminds me of a scripture. So that's how God works. And see, I'm not rejoicing because, oh yeah, by the way, God gave me the $3,700 back and I even got four times the amount and all that kind of stuff. I'm praying for that. But I'm not holding my breath. That is not what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for this man's salvation. That's what I'm really excited about. See, God can take, and did God do this? No, I did it out of stupidity. I blew right past the red lights. Because looking back after, I saw the red lights and I just blew right, you know, road closed, under construction. Do not pass through here. And I blew past at 90 miles an hour. I ignored wisdom, made a bad choice. So God didn't do it. He tried to stop me. But there's a wonderful promise that God can cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and call him according to his purpose. So even my stupidity or my stupid mistake, I can sit in my daddy's lap and he says, here, let me help you with that, son. He brushes the dust off me. says, would you give that to me? Yes, daddy, here you go. He says, let's do something with this. How about, let's let this guy know how much I love him. And so in the situation which would be tragedy, which is a tragedy financially, I can be at peace and experience the love, joy, and peace of God. And so here's my challenge to you. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But He is so good. And see, what He was concerned about, I believe what God was concerned about, more than the $3,700, he was concerned about me being in bondage. He didn't want me to be locked. He didn't want my soul to be locked up. Just think, if I got locked up in bitterness and bondage and everything, I wouldn't be able to see clearly to, to allow God to, to have his kingdom flow through me. That channel would be shut. Just like David, if he allowed bitterness to flow through him and to consume him, his family... And all those people would not have been saved. They'd have probably been lost forever. Your life is too important for you to allow bitterness to grab a hold of your soul. It is too precious to God. He so much cares about you and He wants you to be free. He wants you to stay free. And sometimes we get ourselves in these little messes. And He says, okay, I see what you did. Now trust me with it. Give it to me. And we can choose to give it to him, or we can say, no, I'm going to take care of this one myself. And we know how that works out, right? Doesn't work out too good. That's why we need to develop a lifestyle of praise and worship. It is a mighty weapon in God's hands that he's given us so we can take out the enemy. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, He might have gotten some of my money, but he wasn't going to take my joy. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> because I believe praise and worship is so important. So wonderful. So I want to spend some more time talking on this. Next week we have our guest speaker, so I won't next week, but I plan to uh, after that. But obviously, you don't have to wait till then. Let God work on your